Hi there. Thanks for listening. Osha here. Thanks for downloading the show. Look, if you've downloaded the show, I've got to say thank you because you are helping me put a roof over the head because uh, this show has got to a point where we are making some, uh, not a heap of money, but we're making enough to pay Andy, who's my producer, and Rachel, who's my executive producer. Now, I need to pay these people and to pay them, I need to play ads. So every now and again, you're going to hear an ad. Now, depending on where you are in the world, how you're listening, what you've been searching for, how many times someone said Baker's Delight nearby while your phone's on, uh, you might hear something uh, being advertised to you here. You may not. You may strike it lucky. Either way, if you do hear an ad, thank you. You're helping me pay for the show. So thank you. We're going to get on with Nathan Cavalieri in just a second. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My first goal was I need to prove to myself that I've got the capacity to get up on stage. That's it. Whether I hate it, it doesn't matter. I've just got to do it because before that I wasn't even doing it. So that was the first goal. I did that a first gig that was promoted and I got off stage and without me even trying to will it to happen, I felt bliss. It was just amazing to be on the other side of that fear, right? It was still scary to get up on stage. It was still scary terrifying. to stand up there. Terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. And it would come in waves on stage in front of people, right? But I knew that I had to make peace with those sensations. Otherwise, I was going to be running from them, right? They'd keep me off stage. So in order to do that, I had to understand what they were, right? That they're just sensations. It's the thought in the head that makes it unbearable if I believe it. That is musician and live streaming legend Nathan Cavalieri. And this is episode 356 of Better Than Yesterday.
Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg and I'm really grateful you're here. Thank you so much for being here. This is a uh, podcast that I've been doing since September 2013 and it's hopefully designed to help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Something you hear on this show today will make you go, oh yeah, I didn't think of that before. And then you'll uh, kind of do things a little differently and you'll lay in bed tonight and go, yeah, it was. It was better than it was yesterday. That's it. That's what this show's here to do. Every Monday, I'm here with a guest. Every Friday, I'm here with you. And there's 355 other episodes of the show to dig into. That's just with guests. There's not even counting the Friday ones. Friday, it's just me just having a chat and having a rant like I was the other day when I was driving home with my crappy Bluetooth headphones. Sorry for the tinny sound on that one, guys. Sorry about that. But hey, Thank you so much for listening. If you don't know who I am, I'm a TV host and a book writing guy and I guess a live streaming guy right by now and a uh, possum protector. More about that in a moment. From Sydney, Australia, where I live with my wife and my two kids. And um, yeah, I've been doing this podcast for a long time now and I'm really grateful for it because I really like it. Thanks to everybody that sent an email. Always nice to get your emails. I love to see what you are looking at. So if you're listening to this on a phone, and I know pretty much everyone except four people do, there's four people they listen on their desktops because they are somewhere in a work environment that doesn't allow them to have a phone with them. If you listen uh, on your phone, just whip your phone out. Take a photo of what you're looking at right now. Could be dishes, could be laundry, could be a park, could be a dog, could be kids, could be whatever, could be a lecture, could be a Zoom call, whatever, and send it to me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. I love to see that stuff. It's dumb, I know, but I like I like to see how you digest your podcasts because I always digest my podcasts either when I'm working out or when I'm driving. I used to listen to podcasts a lot on my bike, but now I'm streaming when I'm on my bike. So it's more of an outbound conversation, but more about that in a second. If this podcast does bring you value, there's two ways that you can help me out. The first way it doesn't cost you a thing, but it's extraordinarily helpful and it really, really helps. Just tell somebody, just tell someone just once a week, just go, hey, you know, well, I heard something about that on a podcast. Yeah, Osha. Yeah, the guy with the roses. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 check it out. And then just show them how to listen to a podcast on their phone. And just, you know, if you find something that something that you hear here, if you find it of value, share it around. Let somebody know. Hit, click share in the episode on your phone and, and send it over. That'd be great. Just send it to somebody else because that's really how, that's a most amount of traction. The most amount of growth I get in my listeners is from recommendations, all right? I could spend a fuckload of money on Instagram or Facebook trying to push the show. Doesn't work, man. Doesn't work. They've got that shit locked right down. The moment it looks like you're trying to push to anything outside of Instagram or Facebook, forget about it. So uh, word of mouth is a huge way of helping me grow this show. And um, the more people you tell about this show, the... uh, more people download the show and the better guests that I can get going forward. We've had 354 pretty awesome guests. 300 and, I say it's probably less than that because I had a few people on twice. Let's say at least 340 pretty awesome guests. But we're going to get more. And uh, the higher the download numbers is quite simple. That's that's the you know the higher the caliber of guests that I can get on. We've had great conversations so far, and they're just going to get greater. And you can do your part by um, letting somebody know about about the show. It really really helps a lot. That until kind of rate and review the show where you can. But if you really want to help, if you think in these times that you could spare a couple of bucks to help me pay Andy and Rachel, you can find me on Twitch twitch.tv slash Osher Ginsberg, G-U-N-S-B-E-R-G. It's a live streaming platform. It's kind of like YouTube, but it's live. And whenever you see me there, I'm live. And I'm interacting with the people in the chat and I'm, you know, having a freaking great time. I'm loving it. I'm loving live streaming. I'm having a great time doing the quiz on Tuesday nights about 8 p.m. Sydney time. 
now that's now we're in daylight savings mode. Good luck. Uh, but yeah, about 8 p.m. Sydney time. And it's just a blast, man. Had a couple of great bike rides this week too with heaps of people joining in with that. It was really fun. Really, really fun. I do have a look. I know a lot of podcasters ask you to, you know, throw some money their way. I have a Patreon. It's still around. But to be honest, I don't really push it. But if this show brings you value, if something you've heard on this show, either it be on a Monday show or a Friday show, if it brings you value, if it's the kind of thing like, let's just say, for example, we're out, we're both, you know, grabbing a coffee and you see that I'm behind you in the line and we have a little chat and then you turn to the barista and go, you know what, I'm going to pay for his coffee because as as a way to say thank you for the years of podcasting for the, it's got to be at least six hours a month of content of entertainment, of connection, hopefully, that you're getting from this show. Supporting me on Twitch would really say thanks for that. It's pretty simple to sign up, super easy to sign up, actually. Um, you just get in there and create an account, it's free. And you can follow me, and if you want, you subscribe on the channel, and that you have to renew the script for subscription, it doesn't do it automatically. So, you know, just throw five bucks. <laughs> that really helps. It really helps. And I do talk a lot more. It's very much a two-way conversation there. There's a lot more interaction on Twitch, which is why I really enjoy it. And if you want to get even deeper, you can find me on Discord, which is a uh, it's kind of like a communication platform. It's, it's a Facebook-free way to connect a community, which I really, really, really enjoy. Um, having a great time there. Uh, you know me, I tend to not really want to go near um, Facebook. Facebook, I, I, I have Haley look after the Instagram, and I tend not to go near um, Facebook itself, but there's a lot of nice chats happening on Discord, which is really fun. Um, so you can find me there, and I'd really love it if you did. Just find me on, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Ginsburg. and if it's for you, uh, consider throwing a subscription my way as a way to say thank you for the podcast because it's all really one big thing and I've got some plans that I'd like to do to eventually bring the podcast and you know live stream versions of the podcast to Twitch because we did have a bunch of plans to do big live shows this year but of course that you know waves hand in general 2020 direction <laughs> it all went that way I guess what have I got to tell you before we get to Nathan oh my goodness possum update a possum update possum watch 2020 so, if you've been listening, you'll know that there's been a possum situation going on in our roof. And the possum man came along and he put a one-way door in. We blocked off all the entrances to the roof. When I say we, I mean hey, he blocked off all the entrances to the roof. So, there's no way the possums could get in. And he put a one-way door out. So, over a couple of nights, we heard the possum door flap about four times and then there was the baby possum stuck in the roof for a while there and we heard it crying and it broke all our hearts and the dogs went nuts and the baby woke up and it kept going and going and going anyway it was quiet for a few nights and we thought right we might be there so we took the one-way door out they're territorial creatures and they're creatures of extraordinary habits so they have a little route that they do every single day you know they just go the same way the same way every single time so we've got a veggie patch out the front but it's not in there the way they walk at nighttime to go on their feeding room. So our veggie patch is safe. But our neighbor's veggie patch, they put a veggie patch in right along the way that the possums go to find and visit the trees in the neighborhood. And they went, yeah, beauty, look at this. It's a feast. And they just destroyed their veggie patch in one night. So anyway, we put a possum box in our backyard tree, one of our backyard trees, which we know they frequent. The idea being that the possum can't get in to get back to the nest it's made in our roof. Hopefully it'll find this little space and make it its home. And I climbed up there the other day and took a photo, put my phone through the hole and took a photo and uh, I saw a possum in there and went, oh, that's Scott. Until I see otherwise, until I 
see Scott with a Joey, that's going to be Scott, and Scott's a he. Well, possum watch update. We had all the family come around today, the kind of our generation and their kids all came around today. So that was, that was nine kids, I think, heaps of babies. I think it was like four babies here. It was so much fun. Anyway, the slightly older kids, they're about nine to 11. They knew there's a possum in the box and they wanted to come visit the possum in the box. So we sent them a photo of the possum in the box. And so I got up on a ladder and I rigged a GoPro. Now with a GoPro, you can actually stream vision from a GoPro. So I rigged a GoPro up to the possum box and we stood down there by the barbecue with an iPad and we were showing the kids what's going on up there. Now, when I went to go take the GoPro down, I grabbed my phone because the GoPro was a bit big to push in through the hole and I didn't want to freak out Scott. So I grabbed my phone and I put my phone inside the hole and I took a little photo or two and then rolled a little video and I climbed back down the ladder. What do you know? Scott is actually Scarlet. And Scarlet, in the back corner of the possum box, is cuddling and sheltering a little Joey possum that we have called Scott. So, Scott and Scarlet have made their home in our back tree. So, Scott is now Scarlet, but Scarlet's son is Scott, if that makes sense. So, Scott was Scott, and now Scott is Scarlet. So, that's great. So, our, you know, our possums, uh, they've come out of our roof and they've found a new place to live. And apparently, they, they, once they've found that spot, they will stay there for years. And um, it'll be great. Uh, Scarlet actually has a bit of a war wound. They are quite territorial animals, so I think there might have been a bit of biff over who gets to live in the box, and I guess Scarlet won, but she didn't walk away unscathed. There's a bit of an issue going on in the back there, but hopefully she'll heal up and we'll we'll keep you updated. And if not, well, if little Scott gets orphaned, which I certainly hope he won't, we'll definitely try and look after little Scott and try to feed him and, and take care of him. If not, we'll get the wires crew on board and sort it out. But so far, everything's fine. I shouldn't talk about Scarlet dying. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. She's made it this far. She'll be sweet. Anyway, <laughs> that's, the, that's the latest update. The latest update on Scott and Scarlet. All right. <laughs> so, Nathan Cavalieri's on the show. Look, before we get into today's chat with Nathan Cavalieri, I think it would be pertinent to go back and have a bit of a listen to my first chat with Nathan Cavalieri. If you scroll all the way back to episode 189, it's mid-2017, and it's an episode we recorded. It was an interesting time for both Nathan and I. It was right after my mum died, and I went back and listened to it, and there's a whole... I talk all about what happened and talk about the funeral and everything, and uh, it's interesting to, to listen to that because it's been just over three years now. And um, it's really interesting listening to Nathan then. At the time, was his first ever interview that he had done in years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And it was him just coming out on the other side of what was a difficult episode of his life. And he was quite open about it. But um, it's definitely worth listening to in comparison to today's conversation. Here's just a peek. I stopped performing for four years because of the anxiety and um, I just had this restlessness and this voice that just said, don't let your love for music disappear over this. This is the first face-to-face interview I've done since I burnt out. So 
the things that I'm reintroducing myself to create this certain level of nerves. And what I've realized is that they're just bodily sensations and it's your mind that's branding them as being either a threat or whether it's good or not. And because for so long those bodily sensations were indicating that there actually is something wrong that you need to address, that's kind of what's been in my system for a long time. So now I'm getting used to going, no, this is excitement here. This is, you know, you have exciting dreams. You have things that that fire you up. You can't expect that you're going to go on stage or have an interview, you know, number staying out, like, (laughs) you know, and just being completely blissed out and cruisy and everything. You're going to feel like this thing. So catch yourself each time, you know, your thoughts are trying to tilted another way. That is the first conversation I had with Nathan Cavalieri, episode 189. If you want to pause this, go back and listen to it and then come back and listen to this three years later version, uh, you can. That might make today's uh, sound a little more interesting. Or you could listen to it the other way around and go back and go, wow, how far he's come. Either way, check it out. Episode 189 of this show. Scroll back in your podcast feed to find it. So let me tell you about my guest today. Nathan Cavalieri is an Australian musician and live streamer. You can find him at nathancavalieri.com or find his nightly live streams, twitch.tv slash Nathan Cavalieri. Twitch is, it's like YouTube, but live and with a chat room. It's really fun. It's really great. There's a great community there and I really enjoy it. If you don't know who Nathan Cavalieri is, Nathan shot to superstardom when he was still just a kid. Nathan had been diagnosed with leukemia and the Starlight Foundation flew him to the UK to jam with the lead guitar player of the biggest band in the world at the time, Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. And Mark gifted him a guitar and the rest is history. You see, Nathan was a prodigious guitar player, even as a little kid. And the footage of this small child ripping on a guitar quickly captured the hearts of Australians and soon enough Nathan this incredibly talented and charismatic 10 year old was on stage in stadiums with some of the world's greatest musicians from Jimmy Barnes in Australia to Booker T and the MGs to BB King even Michael Jackson Nathan was an absolute superstar a household name what happened next is where the story really starts Nathan went through some darkness, which he and I talked about the last time that he joined us on the show. And today, it's brilliant. He's on the other side of a lot of that. We've talked really openly about the kind of strategies that he uses for dealing with a brain that sometimes plays tricks on your anxiety responses. Nathan's currently on tour, which is incredible. If you listen to the first time he came on the show to say, hey, buddy, you're going to be touring in 2020. You'll be doing a national tour. If you can't make it to a gig, he's live streaming the shows on Twitch. And it's really interesting because he then does a big kind of backstage after party, which is, you know, him just taking questions from the chat. It's really cool. Twitch.tv slash Nathan Cavalieri. He's a great human. He's a very generous man. And I can't thank him enough for being my guest on the show today, but also for giving me the kick in the ass to get my live streaming happening because it's been really fun and I'm really grateful for it, Nathan. So charge up your mobile data and settle in for a chat with Nathan Cavalieri. How are you today, Nathan? You okay? I'm fantastic. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? God, so much has happened since we last talked. Yes. I mean, even this year. A lot, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. There's 
there's, there's babies, there's pandemics, there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff that's been, been, been going on. I'm okay, man. I'm in, you know, we're, I'm safe. I'm employed. I'm grateful. I've got a fridge full of food. I rode yeah. a bike this morning indoors, you know. Uh, yeah. Kids are fine. You know, it's weird. Obviously, mm. but everyone's it's weird for everyone. You it know? is. It's like nothing like, case. nothing like a pandemic to get you clear on what you love though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what you don't love. Mm, nothing like a yeah. pandemic to make you reassess yeah. like hang on hang on a fucking yeah. second. What, what am I what am I doing all this for? Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. I mean the amount of people that I've talked to that have just done a massive life overhaul, you know, where they're going, All right, yeah. I now know how I don't want to spend the next five years of my life. You know, people who yeah. are like, you know, when we can go back to work, I don't want to go back to work. I'm happy working from home or I'm uh, career changes, whatever. Like, it's interesting. Mm. It, it's a shit of a time to be a musician, man, considering that the only money yeah. as a muso that you can really make now is through ticket sales, uh, door, yeah. door taking through my life. T- I mean, I won't lie, I've had my moments where I've just gone, you know what? I haven't released a solo album in 26 years and when finally I decide to release one and I've got some of the biggest things happening and opportunities have just gone boom and a pandemic decides to happen right now. Like really? Like how? And, you know, but so I have that moment. But for the most part, I'm really stoked that we live in this digital age because if this happened in the 90s or before that, it really would be like, wow, I can't gig, I can't make money, that's it. So it's forced me to look at other ways to be able to connect to my communities. And I think these new connections that I'm making, um, they're going to sustain beyond this pandemic for sure. It's a a new generation of music fans, you know. I mean, what do I know is going to a gig? I know packing in to a, a room that's probably oversold, shoulder to shoulder, covered in the body odour and sweat <laughs> and s- strange cologne and links, whatever it is, <laughs> Brute 33 and impulsive strangers <laughs> spilt on drinks I don't care about because here comes my favourite yeah. my favorite band. I get a chance because I, because of the nature of what it is, I don't know what they sound like when they talk. I don't know what they say between songs. Mm. I don't know what their speaking voice is like. All I know is their music. And I am here for this experience where I get to have their, that personal connection. Yeah. And yet now you've got a music fan who's like, I know exactly how my favorite artist talks because if they don't connect with their fans every day through Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, whatever, they're like, you know what? I'm I'm a fan of this other band because I feel more like they're my yeah. best friend than you're my best friend. It's a really it's it's a very interesting re- difference in relationship, isn't it? It is, it is, and I think that is probably why a lot of artists these days are feeling so much pressure, is because you know back before the digital age, like all you needed to be was a guitarist or a singer. And you did your stage show and, and recording, but now it's like you've got to be a personality that connects. And fortunately, I enjoy connecting, but there are a lot of people, a lot of musicians that just want to play music. That's all they want to do. So they struggle. And, you know, you've got to be a, a digital marketing expert to get your, your stuff out there and it can be quite tough. There's a lot more to it than print up some flyers, pop them in the record store and make yeah. sure you get on a good deal. Totally. But then, uh, those days are Those days are gone. But the, fortunately, like you you have a worldwide market now. You know, it's not just local. It's mm. like when I hear people complaining about Spotify or, you know what, I had to be signed to a major 
label so that my CD could be sold in Germany or whatever. And the thing is, yeah. is that when your CD is being sold in that country, if you're not selling within a month or whatever, you're off the shelves. They can't get your stuff. But now it's out there, the world forever. As long as you pay that $10 a year or whatever for, for your stuff to be up there. <laughs> so how, how are you feeling about, the last time we spoke, you came to our, where we used to live. We lived in an mm. apartment. You came to our apartment. And the last time we spoke, I got the sense that you were emerging from the chrysalis. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I had a brief listen because I wasn't sure exactly when that interview was, but I hadn't even gone on tour. I hadn't even really done a gig. I think I'd just done some little guest spots with some of my friends. But I was also starting to prove a lot of these fears and wrong, like the fundamental yeah. ones that kept me inside for so long and where going to work was an ordeal. I mean, I remember that interview was the first decent interview. I think it might have even been the first interview I, I had done since I'd burnt out. So even that in itself was was quite a mission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I can't even imagine what that feels like, to be honest, to be in that state anymore. It's another world, fortunately. That's really, that really says something about the capacity for us to heal and the lie that our brains tell us that this shitty feeling you're feeling, it's going to be like this forever. forever. So you may as well not try. And that's yeah. the big fucking, that's the biggest, biggest horrible symptom mm. of any kind of anxiety or any kind of mental illness is like this is permanent yeah like it isn't no. nothing's permanent no mental states are permanent state. yeah but you can't imagine any other way of thinking at the time no. so you can't conceive that it could ever be different y yeah. so you're like you get trapped in this well why do, why do i don't fucking care i won't bother yeah it's your attention is just so much on how bad it feels you can't even imagine how it could feel any other way. And that's the problem that I had for quite a long time is that because I was in that trance on and off daily, I yeah. couldn't remember what it felt like to play up on stage or do all these things that used to make me happy. I knew logically that it was there, but I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel it until I started to to do it. And even that was quite a process. It really was, it wasn't just like get up on stage a couple of times and then boom, whoa, I'm out of it. It took some time. It took some setting realistic goals as well. And uh, I'm probably back to, I'm, I'm more in touch with myself as a performer on stage than what I've ever been. I feel as high as what I've, what I've ever felt um, during the stage show and coming off. And, uh, I mean, I've still got challenges that I've got, I've got to work through, but they're similar to the ones that I used to have before I burnt out. Things like flying and the sleep deprivation yeah. um, can be a little bit of a challenge on the road, yeah. which is something I'm working, working through. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So let's let's talk about that a bit. Yeah. If you haven't gone back and listened to the episode with, with Nathan, and I will ask, I'll say in the intros, it's probably good. It's a good, it's a good AV comparison <laughs> yeah, <laughs> already. Yeah. Like we've done 10 minutes. It's like, this is a different person. And that's, yeah, well, wow. I'm a different person. You know, yeah, we're, we're, no one's a different, but it, it's quite different. Yeah. <laughs> so the very, very short version, Nathan uh, was very, very sick uh, when he was little. He had leukemia. He uh, had a Starlight Foundation, which granted to jam with Mark Knopfler at the time, the greatest guitar player on the planet. He played in a band called <laughs> Dire Straits. Mark <laughs> Knopfler goes like, holy shit, this kid's got something. <laughs> Over in London, gives him a guitar. Was it, was it Fernandez? What kind of guitar was it? Yeah, Fernandez. Spot on. Fernandez. Gave him yeah. a Fernandez guitar. Nathan then takes his guitar home. Can't think about anything but playing it. It's incredible. And, and the word child prodigy is thrown around. All right. Yeah. Nathan then goes on tour around the world. BB King, Michael Jackson, you name it. Nathan's on stage playing with them. All right. Humongous, 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 humongous. And then not very quickly. Mm. Nathan goes back to high school and is like, oh, yeah, can't you think you're fucking me? Fucking can't, can't. And then it all fucking <laughs> piles in on him. And, yeah. you know, because kids are fuckheads. And, you know, he's trying to be a teenager at the same time as everyone going, oh, yeah, the kid from Hey Hey, it's Saturday night. Anyway. Yeah. And it all fell into a heap for poor Nathan here. And then <laughs> if you listen to the conversation that we had, Nathan was just coming out of of that period of intense, uh, I know you described insomnia, a couple of years of pretty heavy insomnia and um, dealing with anxiety. And there was a barrier between you and, and, and getting on stage. Now, not everyone's going to play guitar. Not everyone's going to have had the past you've got, but everyone's got a barrier that they logically know this is ridiculous. Mm. I know that that gym is just a room that I can walk into. Yeah. But for some reason, I cannot go through those doors. Yeah. Or I know that this person who I have a problem with at work is just another person who's probably got fears and hopes and dreams and Mm. we just clash a bit, but I cannot speak to them. Or, Mm. you know, I know that my fridge is, I can fill it full of great food, but instead I feel it full of donuts. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> I yeah, buy the yeah. donuts from the same place that sells great food, but for some reason I can't, you know, we yeah. all have that illogical barrier that we look at and go, this is stupid, why am I doing this? Mm. And yet we can't push through it. So mm. can you talk to me about what were the steps you took to, you said break it down to realistic goals. Yeah. What were the steps that you took to do that? And, and also talk to me about the, the concept of like, if you keep running away from it, it's going to get worse. Yeah. You actually just have to sit with it and mm-hmm. understand that you'll cope and then you can take a little step forward and a little yeah, step yeah. forward. Can we talk a bit talk a bit about that? Because I think sure. that's the thing that might help people a lot. Yeah. Well, firstly, what I've learned on the overall is it really helps to reframe my perception of any type of adversity. So whenever I'm in a situation that makes me uncomfortable or I disagree with it or whatever it is, rather than treating it like a battle, Whenever I get into that battle mode, it all turns to shit in some way for me or the other person or the situation. That battle mode, it doesn't work, right? But seeing adversity as an opportunity, as an indicator, 
I'm in the habit now when I feel uncomfortable, I go inwards in terms of I'm investigating inwards. All right. What am I believing right now? What thoughts are going around in my head? Am I running? Is there a version there? Am I leaning in too much? What, What is it before I start to even attempt to change the situation outside? I need to know what's going on inside. So as far as these realistic goals, and I had a lot of support around me and, and people who were giving me good advice, people who had my best intentions at heart, but not giving me that necessarily the best advice, which was, and the most common one is be excited, be happy, the positivity, all that type of stuff. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm sure you know it. So whenever I tried to take on a goal with the, the mindset of being you know, I want to be excited and I want to be happy, I'd fall short. And any fears that would pop up, anything that was the opposite to feeling that, it would then trigger anxiety. Oh, I'm off track. This is not working. This is not how it should be, which then you get stuck in that cycle, right? So my first goal was I need to prove to myself that I've got the capacity to get up on stage. That's it. Whether I hate it, it doesn't matter. I've just got to do it because Before that, I wasn't even doing it. And that's the only goal. No matter how I feel, no matter how tired, no matter how scared I am, I've just got to do it. So that was the first goal. I did that first gig that was promoted at the Brass Monkey and I got off stage and without me even trying to will it to happen, I felt bliss. It was just amazing to be on the other side of that fear, right? And I remember feeling, I'm like, book a tour. I want to do a tour yeah. now. So we booked it three uh, three yeah. gigs up the coast of New South Wales and you can't change a habit straight away so those old patterns are yeah. coming back again but this time I'm understanding what's going on in my mind and how it's all working, yeah. right? It was still scary though, right? It was it was still scary to get up on terrifying. stage. It was still scary to stand up there. It was terrifying yeah. and it would and it would come in waves on stage in front of people, right? Yeah. But I knew that I had to make peace with those sensations. Otherwise, I was going to be running from them, right? They'd keep me off stage. So in order to do that, I had to understand what they were, right? That they're just sensations. That's all they are for me. They're just sensations. It's the thought in the head that makes it unbearable if I believe it, the thought in the head. So I did a few gigs. We go down to Melbourne and it's my first sort of three gig run since I'd burnt out and I had my mate Kenny alongside and we hired a a trumpet player. First ever time he'd been away with us, this really shy, early 20s surfy dude from Cronulla. And um, now Kenny, this was a bit of a clash. See, there was a build-up for me going on tour that made me overly conservative and I really had to set a bit of a routine. It was like the routine of being able to get a meditation in, having a nap Mm -hmm. if I'm tired, trying to get some sleep, eating, you know, good food, all that stuff made me feel comfortable enough and secure enough to be able to, to get out there. Now, he hadn't gigged for a while as well, but his idea of touring is, let's fucking get on the road and get shit-faced, right, which is the opposite mm-hmm. to what my mindset was, right, and it came to a head. So 5 p.m., uh, it was an early gig. I'm like, cool, this is going to be good. I can get home, have a nice early night. I've got morning breakfast radio on the Saturday morning, up at 5.30 in the morning. So him and Tom decide to get shit-faced back at the apartment where I'm trying to sleep, right? It's like 9 o'clock, 
10 o'clock and I'm thinking, guys, can you keep it down? I, I really got to sleep. And I was still, I had overcome insomnia in a normal environment, but not on tour because I'm still quite jacked in general, right? Yeah, yeah. It takes a while to come down off stage anyway. Yeah, anyway, yeah. let alone when you're trying to deal with all that. So 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm back out there again. Guys, keep it down. 3.30 in the morning and I get up and I lose my shit. I lost my shit at poor Kenny. Man, I just absolutely carved into him. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Heating up a fucking pizza. It's 3.30 in the morning. Have some fucking respect, mate. You know how hard this tour is for me. Let me get some fucking sleep, right? He's like got a half a pizza in his mouth looking at me like a dumb idiot. And um, this poor trumpet player, Tom, I've never seen a fold-out bed get made so quick in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, he's going to walk, man. I, I just know it. He's oh, going to walk tomorrow no. morning. And you know what that taught me, that, that experience there? And I got through it, right? I got through it on mm. two hours sleep, morning breakfast radio, and then a gig that night. Actually, I had back-to-back interviews that day. Then a gig that mm. night, still didn't sleep well, had an, another gig the following ne- uh, night, followed by an 11-hour drive back home, right? Oh. And I got through it. That's the thing is that I got through it and in reflection, now I could have just looked at that situation and gone, all right, Kenny, no more alcohol, right? And try to control it. But then my goal started to be, I can't tour like this, cling to things having to be a certain way. The next run that I go on is about how do I make peace when things go off track, right? You can try your best to set up the environment, but it you know what touring is like, it's all over the shop. You've got to go with the flow. And I don't want to, I don't want to tour like that. I don't want to tour with things having to be a certain way. So then that became my second goal was, all right, well, how, how do I go away? And if I get a bad sleep, not wake up freaking out about it. How can I just be at peace with how I feel when I am tired and know, because I just proved it, that I've got the capacity to still do it. And that's kind of my mindset. And bit by bit, the anxiety came down and the bliss and the happiness and the fun became the most predominant emotion. That's so good to hear, Nathan, because it really is what I hear there is that as the same time that when you're ill, and I know this from my experience, when I'm mm. ill, my brain's telling me not only is this how it's going to be forever, also mm. that if anything happens, you won't be able to cope. If anything yeah. happens, you'll fucking crumple in a yeah. ball. If anything happens, you're fucked and that's the end of everything. Yeah. All right. And that's, I think, for me, what I'm most afraid of yeah. is that I won't, I won't, but it is contrary to all the evidence. Yeah. Because I'm only sitting here today talking to you because I have coped. Yeah. I've coped with some fucking heavy shit in yeah, my yeah. life. I have persevered and adapted and overcome yeah. and worked around and been with all kinds of hectic, hectic, mm. nearly getting killed, all kinds of shit. Yeah. I always have coped because yeah. if I hadn't have coped, I wouldn't be here. That's right. So mm. it's challenging that. That's right. And it helped at times for me to even just have a, a more helpful perception of what that voice is. So I remember hearing yeah. in some podcast somewhere that don't think of, of that fear, that voice, right? that's telling you all that stuff, don't think of it as this monster, as the black dog or, you know, whatever, you know, because that puts you automatically in battle mode. Think of it as an overbearing mother, you know, because that's really its job. It's intrinsically wired into us to protect us. 
its job is not to tell us, hey, you're going to be fine jumping off that cliff or, or wrestling that lion or whatever. It, it's not interested in telling you what you're good at. It just wants to alert you. So when I started to think of that as an overbearing mother, then I had some extra tools in how I was dealing with it. Then it's like, all right, well, rather than going, fuck off, I'm not going to deal with that voice anymore, which often can inflame it, make it louder, was give it reassurance, give it some love. You know, what? that's an overbearing mother. That's what you do. It's okay. I understand your worries. It's all sweet. But, you know, hey, I did this and this and this and we're all sweet, right? And sometimes it just needs to be heard and acknowledged and then it kind of quietens. You know, but then sometimes you need to tell it to fuck off. Yeah, sometimes you do, but... <laughs> It's interesting hearing you also, you're hearing you talk about just taking the moment, and this is really transformative if you can get a chance to do this, taking a moment to just recognize this is just a sensation in my body. It is not evidence of anything. It's not Mm. a fact. Mm. It's just a particular muscle contracting in my stomach. Mm. That's it. That's all it is. Some signal in my brain has told my stomach muscles to do this. It has nothing to do with any part of reality. Yeah. Okay. And just noticing that yeah. is enough to give you that Eckhart Tolle split yeah. of being in observance totally. of it. And it's just practicing that. Sooner or later, you get to get a little wider angle, a little wider angle. You can zoom out a bit more, a bit more. It takes time, but yeah. you can. You can learn how to do it. And then eventually, you can be like, oh, yeah, you know. Like I, I was talking about this the other day. It's like I'm... I'm away from everyone and my, my hips being a motherfucker. And I'm, yeah. so I'm, I'm getting doing that thing where I'm like, and you'll recognize this. I'll spend half an hour getting myself down to relaxed to mm. sleep. I'll sleep for five minutes then. <gasps> and, oh. I'm and, oh. and then I'm like, and rather than go, shit, fuck, I'm awake. I've got to be awake. Fuck shit. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. I'll get, here's another chance to work on a different relaxation <laughs> technique. I'm yeah. going to try, try this one now. <laughs> So let me ask you, if you're sleep deprived and you're not in yeah. the right head, you know, space and, you, and you're swept up, when I'm on stage, I can at least, well, it's a bit harder now because it's a storytelling orientated show. But when yeah. I was in a band, I could at least hide a little bit behind the noise, you know, of the guitar and that. Yeah. But you're talking yeah, and, yeah. and it's yeah. one thing to for it to be your voice, but then to still be, you know, game on with how you articulate yourself like how have you dealt with it during those times when you're on the back foot from insomnia or whatever I mean if you want to share to be to be honest (laughs) I'm down here doing masked singer and and to be honest I I had I think my toughest day at work I've I've had in god 20 years really really uh yeah I, I bear in mind nathan i hold myself to a ridiculously high standard, standard. yeah yeah i'm a perfectionist <laughs> and uh, i also have obsessional tendencies this has done wonders for my career but <laughs> it is terrible when you actually go actually to hold this standard is actually not uh, realistic sustainable <laughs> for human capacity <laughs> you have to understand that even the greatest 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 they're probably on about a 97 hit rate yeah. all right so be honest yeah yeah like no one's yeah. uttered all the time and there was this thing the other day where i i just got the stumbles yeah 
What's that? Is that with your words? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. got the stumbly words. And, you know, it happens with everyone. <laughs> like you have it like when you're trying to get a particular riff and your fingers just don't want to do it. Yeah, like, yeah. Ah, and then the more you worry about it, the worse it gets. Mm. Because all you're doing when you're worrying about it is you're then doing a thing called fusion and you're making that neural pathway even stronger. Yeah. So the next time you do it, your tongue or your fingers or whatever does the exact same mistake. You're like, mm. I, I just thought about this and it happened automatically. Yeah. And I got the stumbles. And thankfully... I'm doing this show with a, an army of absolute professionals mm. and I, you know, kind of turn around and God bless her heart, Danny Minogue. She's yeah. amazing. She's like, it feels like you're doing a terrible job because you have this ridiculously high standard for yourself, mm. but you are successful because you have this high standard for yourself, but yeah. understand that you're not, you're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. You're doing an amazing job. Yeah. And then my other boss, my EP, I said to him afterwards, I'm like, I'm so sorry I was stumbling because I, I had to do three takes of something. I never do three takes of anything. Yeah, wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's, that's fucking oh, high never. standard, bro. <laughs> I never, ever. I'll, I'll rarely do two. Yeah. I want to go to my grave as being the one take wonder. Yeah, yeah. And my producer, my EP, Sean, he says to me, and I said, mate, I'm real sorry. And he goes, mate, I knew you'd be hard on yourself, but you've got to understand. So your worst day is still better than a thousand blokes best day mm. and to hear that was like all oh, right okay maybe i need to give myself cut myself a little slack yeah. I, I beat myself up a lot yeah and I, I'll, I'll lose sleep over over it and i got i just have to give myself a bit of latitude around that i guess absolutely i remember tommy emmanuel in one of the q a's that we that i did with him he was saying that as well i mean clearly you look at someone like tommy emmanuel and you don't get oh to be Tommy Emmanuel without having that perfectionist mindset. But he talked about that, how you just have to accept that you're going to have an average day and your average day, people won't even really notice. <laughs> you know, that's just you yeah. in the bar that you set in your head. So I think the other thing I learned during this period was, have you heard of Barry McDonough? I do know the it's name. An author. He, he, had, he has a book called Dare. And um, it's basically a, a really pragmatic method of dealing with panic attacks and any form oh, of yeah, anxiety. Yeah, the Irish right? guy. Yeah, I did. I did listen to that. Yeah. I did listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For people who haven't heard it, what's his general thesis? He says for a lot of people, the fear is not of the actual thing that you're fearing. It's fear of fear itself, yeah. the sensations of the fear. So you, you know, for yeah. some, you may let's just say you have a, a, a car accident. And everyone's fine. It's freaked you out. And then all of a sudden you're uncomfortable in the car. Everything else in life is sweet, but you're uncomfortable in the car. That's something different. But you have an anxiety attack because of that accident. And it's the sensations of, of that feeling of having a panic attack. Then you worry that they're going to happen again in some other situation. And maybe you walk into a bar and you misunderstand the feelings of excitement, which are very similar with anxiety. And then that brings on that resistance, then brings on an anxiety attack. And then all of a sudden you're uncomfortable going to a bar. You know, that's exactly when he explained that, I'm like, that is exactly what happened to me. First time I had a, a, a proper anxiety attack was when I realized my own mortality after a friend had passed away. And for me, I didn't understand that it was anxiety. And then it popped up in another environment and each environment that it popped up in, I began to fear going into those environments again. 
until it just corrupted my whole world and closed me in because I didn't understand what was going on. And then the stage ended up being that place as well. So his philosophy is, and it's very simple, it's about accepting it and then also, you know, which is what I'm talking about here, is making peace with it and inviting it. He knows that anxiety cannot exist unless you're in a state of resistance. If you're leaning in and you're welcoming it and you go, bring it on, I want more, I want more, it, it disappears, it just dissolves. And it can be scary as fuck when you're in that position, right? Because you're going against everything that your body and your mind is trying to tell you. And I found that really, 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 really helpful. I mean, an example of why that's true is that how quick does happiness disappear? It's so quick. We don't resist it, that's why. <laughs> Come on, more, more, more. Oh, there it goes. Fuck. <laughs> you can you can have one fearful moment that you don't want to feel resistance could you know you can be in that state for days so oh yeah I'm, it's a great uh, book and I it's very simple as well and it's the first it's yeah, also yeah. the first book that i've read that goes through examples of how people feel anxious that he he was able to capture mine and i haven't read it yet was for me it's dissociation i don't get the heart palpitations and the sweats and stuff, I get that stuff when I fly because I'm not a great flyer. But when I'm having that full-on anxiety attack that makes me uncomfortable and question everything, it feels like I'm leaving my body. Things, I feel alienated. It's, yeah, it's that dissociation, you know, where I'm confused and out of my body. And it was really, yeah, really comforting to see somebody talk about that in a book. Yeah, it's it's interesting to know, you know, that, you know, we've talked a lot about the common symptoms. They feel so, it's just me, it's just me. Mm. But then when you read something like that and you go, oh, right, it's just like a sneeze or an itch. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just, my body is just reacting exactly the same way that millions of other people yeah. react. Yeah. But this person has got a name for it. Like this thing's trying to convince me that I'm the only person this is happening to. Yeah. No, it's happening to squillions of people around the world. And yeah, it's- my wife calls me, she goes, oh, I can see you went into robot mode there. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Really? Because I, yeah. I do. I, I become robot because she's extraordinary, Audrey. She has this ability yeah. to read micro expressions like no one I've ever met in my life. And she just <laughs> sees all the moment-to-moment emotional reactions vanish from my face. Yeah. I'll still smile and talk and, and she goes like, I oh, fucking know. You're not yeah. there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come back. There's only, Come back. She clicks her fingers at me. Come back. There's only a few people, <laughs> if, if a few, that can work that out. And that's special when you find yeah. that. I know my psychologist sometimes when I'm in a meet, he goes, I've lost you, haven't I? Like he's, he just knows when I'm I'm gone, I'm somewhere, I'm swept up, yeah. <laughs> which hasn't happened in a long time, thankfully. Well, yeah, but it's just sort of like, you know, you're describing, it's just all self-awareness. It's just asking, it is, it's like, yeah. hang on, what's happening here? What's, yeah. going, what's going on here? What's yeah. going on here? Speaking of wives, no one, no one lives in a vacuum. How have your personal relationships been over this time of you kind of re-emerging into the world? Fantastic. So good. Really, really good. I mean- Amy has been an absolute rock. By the way, that term rock, I was questioning that. It's a funny sort of way to describe somebody like what rock, like as in I stop you from going somewhere, like rock as in I'm cold, as rock as in I'm in hard. Like isn't, where did that come from? I'd imagine it's like the kind of rock that you would build a lighthouse on. One oh, that will withstand, so. <laughs> withstand every kind of onslaught of the ocean, the weather, whatever. All right, you know, there you go. I, I would, well, there that you go. or Dwayne Johnson. 
uh, which either would be fine. <laughs> I could sit on his shoulders and do, live my life. That'd yeah, be great. totally, totally. But yeah, absolute champion. And I've just because I'm I'm more open, I'm more social, and um, but then also a little more clear on where I want to spend my time as well. Because yeah. I think I might have mentioned it in my in the previous podcast, but. I was surprised just how many of my good friends just weren't there for me during those times. Like people who I, you know, connected with on a really, in a really deep way and they were just gone. And then some that I didn't think of as good friends would be there, but it just made me think of, yeah, all right, time is precious here. Who do I want to connect with? Because I think I was surrounded by a lot of good times friends back then. You know, yeah, and, that's a, that happens. Yeah, so I talk a lot, like on stage, about Kenny, uh, my guitarist, because he's definitely an all times friend, because he was the one who was ringing to check in on me just randomly, and presenting yeah. little opportunities there for me to to give it a crack. Yeah, yeah. and he's and contrition I, for the three AM pizza. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been it's been great and. As far as career is concerned, it's just growing and growing and growing. And there's something cosmic about, you know, this whole situation. It's like things were hard before I gave it a crack and it's almost like I was paddling upstream. And I also think that deep down it's because I also wasn't, I was scared and therefore it's almost like I was sending out mixed messages to the world. And then as soon as I started leaning in and really opening up, and even if things were, were scaring me, like I understand this, um, what is it, the fear of success thing. It's like, yeah, I want this bad, but shit, how am I going to cope if it happens? And that's kind of was murking up the waters for quite a while as well. And I remember having a discussion yeah. with my mum about that because she'd always pick up on it. And she's like, I can tell you, you're sending the world out mixed signals because you're scared. You just got to lean in and do it. Sort of like, you know, I wasn't 100% ready to have my kids. Well, my first, I wasn't, definitely. There's no right time. You're never going to go, wow, I'm ready and everything's perfect and set up. Most people don't do that. And then when it happens, you know, it's fucking great. You know, it's hard sometimes, (laughs) but. (laughs) People who plan families uh, they're lucky I guess because some yeah. a lot of people don't get to choose when it happens yeah I guess you know most of the time it's like oh wow we're pregnant hmm. well I guess now's as good a time as any yeah yeah you know we're like yeah and you know you're awesome I think you're awesome you think I'm pretty good both of us are doing all right yeah, yeah. we'll be okay let's give it a shot and that's how it happens yeah. you know? and you really get to see what you're capable of yeah, yeah, if you're like, no, 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 we have to be in a three-bedroom house and we have to be for no, no, have to be an yeah, assistant yeah, yeah. manager, is like, then you'll be 45 yeah. and you'll be, you know, yeah. wanking into a jar trying, <laughs> to, trying to make it because it's too late because your, your sperm's gone like, forget you, mate. I was ready 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember the point where I went, I was having a bit of a mortal moment where I'm going, wow, I'm, I'm getting older. What, what am I waiting for here? And I just went, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. I've proven to myself that I can work it out. If when things get tough, let's just do it. And when I had that energy, that's how Australian Story happened. Right. You know, um, that's wow. when ABC, when we ended up connecting. It was one email from my agent. We were looking for a, a media partner 
that would want to showcase the depths of my story in a true and real way. And it aligned yeah. and then it happened, which is the biggest thing that's happened to me since, um, since I was a kid. It may. It was extra- I would recommend anyone to just go and watch it, even if they are unfamiliar with your story because, it's a, you know, they do a very good job. <laughs> they yeah. do a very, very good job. Well, that's why I felt safe as well because we were, yeah. you know, we were, they were asking some deep questions, you know, and yeah. um, I had to uncover aspects of my life that I had buried. I didn't even know I buried. Yeah. I learned a lot through that process being interviewed as well, yeah. just about myself that I went, wow, so that's why, that's why this happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't allowed to see an edit. As well, that was scary. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. They do that. Yeah, but that's that's all a part of. I guess they don't want that to affect the way you speak. You know, yeah. they want to make sure that they're getting as raw, a, a real. They don't want it to be affected at all. No. Well, in, I, I, I wasn't even a, allowed to see a final edit just before, like the day before. Even it was aired. It was like I'm watching. I'm going to be watching this when a million other people were watching it, and. Right. I had no doubt that it was going to be credible. I was just yeah. wondering what the narrative was going to be. And, you know, to fit what we talked about into half an hour, just this is so many things. I, I, I knew that they were going to be cutting things out, but whether it was going to be accurate, there were also other people interviewed, like my wife and mum and dad. And my after mum and, mum and dad's interview, they come out and mum Mum goes, are you going to be upset? I'm like, what? And she said, I, I, I cried. I'm like, that's fantastic. That's going to be great yeah, for right. ratings. <laughs> 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 but it was, yeah. Like, I guess it's those moments. It's those moments of, I mean, obviously it's now you've got your own kids. Mm. You probably lived your whole life, you know, understanding that you were very sick as a kid and you didn't really quite get it. But I'm going to bet that the moment you looked down at your first and you went, oh, shit, my parents had to consider losing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you're so right. I mean, I've had several moments going, wow, like, mum and dad, I get it. Like, yeah. that would have been probably more traumatic for you guys than it was for me. For me, it was traumatic because it was there was a lot of pain and discomfort and the type of procedures and, and stuff that I had to go through were were really full on. But I also didn't understand, truly understand what I was fighting for, which is why I think my relationship with music deepened because it started off, playing guitar started off being something that was exciting and fun. And But when I was being treated, it deepened because it became a, a channel to express myself and it became an outlet. So if I felt fear or I felt... Whatever it was, just somehow I worked out how to, to express that through playing guitar. And it excited me to play the guitar and took my mind away from all the pain. I mean, those lumbar punches, I don't know if you want to go there, but... Uh, for people that I don't, don't know, we're talking about one of the, one of the things that's involved in the treatment of, of leukaemia, and it's a, it's a pretty intense. They, I believe from what I know about it, they have to go for a, a very dense part of bone that has a giant chunk of marrow in it, right? Yeah, in your spine. And, yeah. and I remember the doctor before my first lumbar puncture coming in saying, 
tomorrow you're going to be doing this thing called a lumbar puncher. It's just a little needle. We put it into your back and it'll be over. And, you know, as trivialized and doctors do. And I said, how, how big is the needle? And he pulls it out and it's huge. You know, it's like a couple inches or whatever. And I mean, that's probably my first real moment of anticipation, like that anticipatory fear state sort of kicked in because I couldn't stop thinking about it that night. And it was so painful. I mean, they, I mean, it was so painful that a year later, finally my parents convinced them to put me out for it. They didn't have enough beds for the first year to keep me out. So I was doing that every week. So to have the guitar and my parents, you know, that just took my mind away from, from all that. And then Martin Offler yeah. as well to have. So, th- yeah. so going through all this mental health stuff, made me rethink and reflect on that experience in a completely different way because there were anchors throughout that darkness that, you know, they were like beacons and that was my guitar. Even though I, the idea of getting up on stage was just like, I'm I'm never going to be able to do that again. I still didn't stop writing, still didn't stop playing Mm. just like I was a kid. And I felt like those mental health dramas got me back in touch with playing just for myself and not corrupted by thinking about career goals and whether radio is going to play it or, you know, anything like that. It's like I'm, I'm in here because I've got a mad riff or a lyric that I, I mm. want to put into a song. And that's how it was. Yeah. You know? So that's a beacon. My family was a beacon. Yeah. And, and, and now I understand that that's what that was back then because I didn't know what I was fighting for. I, th- I think... We talked about this, but the way that the industry's changed, the way that airplay or, you know, sales are no longer the driver, mm. you know, because there's, there really is very little income for an artist off airplay or from mm. sales. It's the, the income is, is from the, the, the live gigs and, and in many cases now streaming and, yeah. and, and things like that. And, and so, you know, think about anything, trying to create a product that will work in a particular medium, it's now like, well... And then for me, it's kind of like, well, what can I do with podcasting? I could make a podcast that's a direct copy of all the top 10 podcasts Mm. and hope that people will listen. Or I can make the show that is as authentic to who I am and the kind of conversations I want to have and make it as real and real and true to me and my morals and values as I possibly can and just trust that people will find it. Yeah. Do you find that's the same? Now you have global distribution through digital channels. Do you find that's the same with your music? I do. 100%. 100%. That's why I love being an artist during this time. I remember listening to like a Tim Ferriss podcast and um, he was interviewing Maria Popova, I think her name is, um, from um, that blog Brain Pickings. And she talks about establishing brain pickings and what the motive was. And it was just, a, she calls it a record of her own becoming. And she would just send out these emails, you know, just these thoughts and things that she'd have and send them out to her workplace. And then eventually that developed into a blog. And when she talks about the purpose, when you write, write for yourself and then a compatible audience will just come your way. And so that's kind of what's happening I mean, I want to make sure always, and I think it's the same with writing or podcasting or whatever, is that you start from the place of, well, what do I love? What do I want to express? And you still kind of need to step out and make sure that it's at least translating, right? But that's what I found with music is that the compatible crowd is just growing, which is great because 
I'm just being me. I'm saying the things that I want to say through my music and I'm playing what I want to play. And the problem where you can get stuck is if you're impatient because I'm not putting out Billie Eilish stuff or whatever. Like I'm putting out sort of blues, folky, crossover, whatever, right? It's, it doesn't fit a particular mould of a radio station, Triple J, Double J, whatever, right? So it does just take time and, and that's a slow burn, but I'm good for that. That's fine because I, I also kind of know what it feels like to get a little bit of success doing something that's not true to me, you know, and it's a burden. Yeah, what happens? Well, okay, the opposite to what happens is, say, for example, I've just started on Twitch, right? And I've been on there for almost four months. I stream twice a week. And I know that that is completely authentic because no matter how tired I am or how shit I feel, I always walk away from that experience like I've got energy. It doesn't suck energy out of me. You know, I yeah. don't walk away from it feeling depleted and, oh, fuck, you know. It's like it can still be a grind sometimes if I'm not feeling well, but it still feels good for the soul. And yeah. I, I feel like it's like that with kids as well, you know. Like it can be a, an absolute punish sometimes, but it still feels good in the soul and in the heart. So when you're doing something that doesn't align, yeah, you feel depleted. Right. And... Yeah, and I, luckily I, I haven't built a career on something that doesn't align with my heart. I would hate to have that burden because you'd have to decide at some point, do I? That's why I got into music and didn't pick some other job that pays me well that I fucking hate. You know, why would I want to turn <laughs> yeah. music into that? <laughs> We're still at the very, even podcasting, we're at the tip of the tippy, tippy, tip of the spear when it comes to streaming. Like this is yeah. an entirely new medium. It allows participatory art to be created in real time, which has mm. never really happened in history, certainly around music. Yeah. What do you see when you look at, you know, having you know, definitely seen the previous way where, you know, selling an actual physical unit, either mm -hmm. a vinyl or a plastic thing, mm. was a way of income. What, where do you see the business model moving? Where do you see things going as far as, you know, income goes for musicians like yourself? Actually, it's because of you that I hooked up to Nicholas Lavelle. Oh, right. Uh, was that his name? For uh, the book, The Curve? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 great. Yeah, thanks for that. That was amazing because... It's a goodie, isn't it? Yeah, uh, what he made me realise, one of the things he says is that most people won't value what you do, but a small amount of people will value what you do ridiculously. And... We just don't often give them a means to be able to show that and express that because we've set a fixed price point on songs or, or whatever. Now we have this technology and I feel like it's just starting to be set up financially so the creator can be supported. Like say, for example, I, I have a bit of a thing and this is just me personally is that I didn't like that the only other way I could make money was by using the word donation. Mm. Because I associated that with charity, all right? And the problem that I had with, you know, certain social media platforms would 
well, oh God, well, I don't want to use that word donation. Can't we use something else? You know, as an artist, it, yeah. it messes with the perception that I'm trying to put out there. And also I feel like for people who still think of donation, and I know it's much broader now as charity, a lot of people only just might support through a donation once or twice and that's it versus mm. something that's ongoing. So I'm excited yeah. when I see platforms like Twitch that you subscribe, you know, or Patreon, which is also thanks to you. But I've, I've moved on to Twitch now because it suits what I'm doing creatively where yeah. users can subscribe. So it has provided a, a catch for those people who really, yeah. really love what you do. And yeah. so I, I feel like it's going to move into that world a little bit more where it crosses over into your typical content creator subscription model. I do still feel sorry for the introverted artist though that just doesn't want to deal yeah. with any of that shit and just wants to play music. Hopefully there's a member in their band that that's the opposite. <laughs> Otherwise yeah. it's tough. Yeah. But I see that. I like the way that um, streaming services operate, yeah. to be honest. You know, when, when somebody goes, hey, I've got 500,000 streams and I've only got paid this much, I'm like, well, 500,000 people would not have bought your CD. That's like radio. They've listened to it. That's it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. for me, I'm happy to pay that price to be connected to a world market and using that analytics yeah. then to find out where is the love. I forget who, who it was that was talking on a podcast about, and it's no different to the way it used to be, is finding the communities that most align with what you do. You know, we just yeah. have so many tools and we don't have to rely on a middleman to do it. Yeah. And it's not a huge amount of money either. Like if you... You know, what I think to the, the last days of actually buying a CD were probably 2000, right before iTunes, so 2004, 2005. Yeah. It's probably the last times I, like, would go out and buy CDs yeah. or, you know, buy it. Now, if there was a particular, like, let's talk about it, an Australian band. If there was an Australian yeah. band, like someone that I could access to touring, I would buy their record. If they put out a record once every two years, I'd buy a record and I'd see their gig you know, I'd go and see them every time they were in town, which would be like twice that year, yeah. and I might buy a T-shirt. Yeah. That's 90 bucks yeah. that I've spent mm. on that band, uh -huh. all right? Five bucks a month on Twitch or yeah. Patreon or whatever, yeah. that's 60 bucks a year. That's less than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's right, yeah. But and you get to interact with them. You've, yeah, yeah. It's no more money than you would spend if you're a big music fan. Yeah. People may not understand, but there was a time, if you're a big music fan, you would blow – a grand a year yeah. on CDs. Yeah. Yeah, Easy. totally. CDs, like <laughs> gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Gigs, T-shirts, box sets. Yeah. You name it. If music was your thing, yeah. you would pay to have that choice. Yeah. You would pay to be like, no, nah, man, I've got to own every record Fu Manchu's ever put out. Yeah, I yeah. need this fuzzy Fender Mustang and a fuzzy Fender Jag. I've got to have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to have this. But I think yeah. when when the social media platforms, which we've we've seen it, uh, recently with this shift with um, Facebook, with um, Stars, I think it's called, which I don't really like that name. But have you heard about that? No, no, tell me. It's basically now where people can give you a star or X amount of stars or whatever, that's currency, that's money, and it goes to you. Ah, right. So they're doing the thing where they're like, oh, we see Twitch is working. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's borrow the but, things. And I think okay. it's fair because I think that's one of the most exhausting things is putting out so much content. Uh, you know, it's mm. time. That's the most difficult thing for me is that it was always hard to see whether this stuff is converting, you know, and I'm not mm. saying that I'm doing it for the money, but money's time and is how I'm spending my time on socials really 
is that putting bums on seats at my gigs? Is it really contributing to my streams? It's really hard. Mm. So I think if content platforms can have that vessel for your super fans to be able to support you, I reckon it'd be it's pretty exciting. Mate, so if people want to find you on Twitch, what nights of the week are you on? At the moment, I'm Tuesday night and Friday night from 5 p.m. And I remember, because see, I, I have a, a good friend on there. His name's Pesterly, and he just raised, I met him at the Starlight Foundation tour that I did last year. Last year, I planned my tour around their annual Five Chef dinner fundraising events. Oh, yeah. And I was doing a talk uh-huh. and a couple of songs. Right. And it was a great way to start off each run. And I'm sitting at this table um, next to this guy and he gave me some love for what I did up on stage. And I said, so, you know, how, how do you spend your time? He goes, ah, oh, I play games for a living. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's cool because uh, my brother's a, a lawyer for EA Games. Mm. And so I was familiar about that. And he, he was telling me about Twitch. He left the, um, the Navy and he said, you know what? All I want to do is rock climb and play games. And um, it's turned into a thing. He's got a, over 700,000 followers, ridiculous amount of subscribers, an amazing heart. And this year, because of COVID, Starlight Foundation of obviously not being able to raise much money, he puts his hand up and says, you know, on my channel, I'm going to do some fundraising events. And he started it off in January he set a million-dollar target, and by July, I believe it was, he smashed a million. Holy moly. A million bucks. That's how much he raised, just his channel alone and his yeah. fan base. So there's people listening right now who are hearing these numbers going, Twitch? What? Million dollars? What? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me and Nathan are here to tell you that the <laughs> world is shifting under our feet. And you know <laughs> that I go on there and, and he said to me, listen, you're going to – you know, these guys do like sometimes 24-hour streams. Whoa. You know, they stream for like 24 hours. It's nuts. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a musician. And this was Twitch was originally set up for games, but it's now broadened. You've mm. got people who are, you know, fitness coaches. I was doing a mm. Qigong one the other day that was pretty cool. Bad. And then musicians, whatever, right? And I'm thinking, what am I going to do for even like two hours? Maybe I could do two hours like once, but twice a week, you know, five times a week. Like, what? And I don't know how. I mean, most of it is, it's about a community. You're yeah. hanging, you're talking. You know, yeah. they can talk to you through chat and yeah. it's probably been the closest thing to a real life gig. When I play on some of the other platforms, I can feel that barrier, you yeah. know, that digital barrier. But with these guys, because they've got all these crazy emojis and, and stuff, it's the hype. You can really feel the energy yeah. come off the screen. And I'm on there for two to three hours twice a week, and I love it. And you play a couple of songs, you tell some stories? I play songs, I tell some stories, have a chat. Oh, the other cool thing is that because I'm doing it here in my studio, they can watch me create. Right. So I might play a riff, and then I'll jump on the kit, play some drums, then, you know, pick up the bass, and then they might go, oh, can you try this? I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea, and then I'll you know, jump on the piano or yeah. pull out whatever effect. And and what it's forced me to do is set aside time for purposeless creation. You know, this is not about what am I trying to say? I want to create a song and, and that's then I'm going to release it for this album and this project I've got in mind. No, just like I was 16 years old in my home studio, I'm just riffing out and having some fun. If it turns into a song, then fucking cool. If not, 
the subscribers get it. They can download it and use it on their own channels. You know, that's it. The best. So, and it's, and it's fun, man. It's just I've never, ever talked to somebody from Finland before or, you know, just random countries around the world. Yeah. And um, so, you, yeah. This is the cool. best. Twitch.tv slash Nathan Cavalieri. Is that where you are? That's it. That's there it. There you go. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Man, it's so good to speak to you. I'm so grateful that we were able to talk like this and we've covered mm. so much in this hour. But if you have listened to this whole thing and you haven't heard the first chat that he and I had, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen. <laughs> Just to understand that what we were talking about before, like when you're in it, mm. you can't conceive that you could ever be out of it. But this conversation should 100% underline the fact that, yeah, if you put the work in bit by bit, tiny by tiny by tiny, you'll get out of it and just have to listen to that that voice that says you're never going to get out of this. Like, okay, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing this thing. Yeah. And it is, it. it's like a puzzle. I mean, this is, this is the biggest lesson when it comes to change. Change is just every time I'm in that position, I only have to point. Actually, here's a little trick. In Evernote, that note platform thing, each time I accomplish something, I note it down in one file, right? And I have this massive list yeah. now. So if ever I'm stuck in that mode where I go, I'm going to be stuck like this forever, you know, this is going to be fucked. I only have to open up Evernote and look at that list, click of a finger, I'm out of that state. It's great, great little trick. Yeah. Challenging those looping kind of old tapes that run around with the old instruction manual that says, no, 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 this is all you're capable of. Yeah. I'm just going to have a look at some evidence here. Evidence says no. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be applying that. Appreciate My it. next challenge is flying. That one's been around since I was a fucking kid and that's the, the next massive change. And I've got to make. Well, thankfully, it might be a little little while before we get yeah, there, yeah, mate. Yeah, so yeah. Well, no, actually, it, it, see that that little voice, the, the little scared kid on the inside. Each time I, you know, a COVID result pops up, it goes, "Oh, damn it! I won't, I won't be able to fly for a while." Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh man, I, I, when I'm flying down to Melbourne, it was the and you'd appreciate this from I think January 2020 mm. to when we left on the 30th of July. Okay. That was the longest time in my life I've ever not been on a plane. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. There was a time when I would yeah. be at Sydney Airport every second day. Yeah, more, yeah. You know, there was a time when I was, I'd fly five out of seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. And to get back on a plane again, I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's wild. It's bizarre. Cool, man. Well, look, it's, I won't keep you, mate. It's been freaking no awesome to talk to you. And I'm so happy that you are where you are and you're doing what you're doing. And I, I can't wait to, you know, see the next thing that you do. It's uh, going to be great. Thanks so much, great, man. Mate. I love what you I still love what you're doing with the podcast and putting all this stuff out there, thanks, man. man. And yeah, awesome. I really appreciate it. Maybe I'll come and bomb your, uh, I'll just, I'll just get let McAllister. Audrey gave me a, um, Gosh, oh God, how did I get so lucky, mate? Yeah. I married a woman that gave me, for Christmas, yeah. she gave me a 1993 reissue of the 75 Fender Jazz Bass, American-made, and it's uh, the most beautiful instrument I've ever touched. Uh, it's glorious. You play it? Yeah, sitting back in Sydney. Like I might get her to deliver it to a hotel quarantine so uh, I can. Oh, yeah, that's because you're down there, right? Uh, yeah, what yeah, a tease. It's, it's in Sydney, but I might yeah. get it, deliver it back to hotel quarantine so I can just you know, yeah, jam on it. But I might, I might come and bomb one of your live streams one night. Please do. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll love it. Oh, that's the other thing that about the live fun. stream I wanted to tell you is that they have this function which is hilarious called a raid. 
Have you heard of this? Yeah. Basically what it is is that when you've got a certain amount of viewers, you finish your stream, right, where do those viewers go? You get to right. choose to dump those v- viewers onto another channel, right? Ah, fun. Now, which is a great way to cross promote. But the funny thing about it is that just for the look on these content creators' faces, the big dogs love to go down to people who are streaming to like five people and dump their massive crowd onto them. So the first time it wow. happened to me, I was playing to like 50 people and, you know, I'm fucking around doing whatever, talking about something that meant nothing. And I looked at my screen and it looked like I'd been hacked. And one of the biggest gaming personalities in Australia raided me and just click of a finger dumped 10,000 viewers. Holy shit. 10,000. It's, it's like you're playing at this little corner pub and the entertainment centre just clears out and you're just all of a sudden playing in front of 10,000 people. Amazing. It's so fucking cool. Um, yeah, you should jump this. on it. It's going to happen, mate. It's going to happen. I'll take care of it. Uh, mark my words, I will. it'll be on. All right, Nathan. Thanks, brother. No worries, mate. You're the best, man. Enjoy the rest of your days. Great to talk to you, man. I will. That was Nathan Cavalieri. You can find him on his Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Nathan Cavalieri, C-A-V-A-L-E-R-I, or uh, you can just find him at nathancavalieri.com. Thank you, Nathan, for getting me into Twitch. I really appreciate it. It's like thanking, you know, Will Kate for getting me into podcasting. You know, there's people in my life who, enough people have told me, yeah, I should really podcast, but it was Will Kate who was essentially like, here's how you do it, mate, get on board. Uh, but Nathan Cavalieri was definitely the one that pushed me towards it, and then I called up Shane Miller, a.k.a. GP Lama, and um, he really helped me get the cycling Twitch thing happening, and um, the rest is the rest. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, You can find Nathan there on Twitch. He's streaming most of his uh, live tour, twitch.tv slash Nathan Cavalieri. It's a really interesting place that you can support artists at a time when live gigs are difficult to make happen and they will be difficult to make happen for quite a while. So if music's a part of your life and you enjoy music, consider supporting the people that make music. Because right now the only, as you know, music is essentially free. You don't pay to listen to it anymore. You just get it for free on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. The only way artists make money really is by doing live shows and those live shows are gone. So if you like music and you want new music, you need to help these people be able to pay the bills. So Twitch is a good place to start. I'll see you for the quiz on Tuesday, 8pm on Twitch. You'll find me there. If not, Dad Pod episode three, season two is coming on uh, Wednesday. So um, that's going to be a cracker. Until I speak to you next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.